Is this okay? All right, perfect. I got a thumbs up. I'm so excited about being here. I, you know, if I lived closer, I would come here every week, and I mean that. I would. I love this place. You'll be what? You'll pay for the gas. Wow. Now you're putting pressure on me. I, I just love being here, and I appreciate the opportunity every time that the ministerial team, Pastor Jenny, opens the door. I'm, I'm honored to be here, and I got a message that I want to share with you, and I really want you to open your heart, you know, I don't want you to be intimidated by it, I don't want you to be, you know, condemned by it, I just want you to open your heart to it, and maybe see what the Holy Spirit might speak to you out of this message that I want to share today, it's called All In, we know what that means, um, but you know, I, well, can I pray for you, let me do that. Father, I just, I'm so grateful for Agape. I'm so grateful for the foundation, the building that has been built, and the spiritual house that this is, and what you're doing in it. And even in a transition, Father, your presence is real, God. You are, you are doing some things, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just blessed. And I just want to pray for this family, for Pastor Jenny, the ministerial team, the the church family, and I just pray, Father, that our hearts would be open to newness, to change, to all that you want to do in our hearts and lives. And I just pray you keep your hand on this family, and Father, I thank you that whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this house, this family has been born of you, and I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against it will prosper, and I thank you that, Father, you are going to do your thing in in a very, very special way. And so we're just grateful. Father, we pray that you'll bless the word that we share today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I, I've, I've titled the message All In. I've subtitled it, Pack Your Coffin. And the reason that I <laughs> subtitled it that way is I, I want to tell you a story about uh, a group of people called the One Way Missionaries. And if you've never heard of them, you can Google it. They're real people. This is a real story. It really happened. But they're called one-way missionaries because they bought one-way tickets to do what it was that God had called them to do. And here's an interesting story. Instead of packing their luggage and, or, or their, their stuff in luggage, they built their own coffins. They put all their belongings in those coffins, and they sailed out of the port to go what God, do what God had called them to do. And as they left the port that they left from, they were waving to their family, they waved goodbye to everyone they loved, everything they knew, because they knew that they would never come home. You know, and, and I don't want you to start thinking about, I'm going to preach a message to you that's going to challenge you to do something that's going to cost you everything. I'm just telling you, their story and inside their story maybe there's a little tidbit of insight a, a, a tidbit of insight or encouragement maybe to something God has called us to do and asked us to do so I, I don't want you to think that this is all about us packing our luggage in our coffins leaving Clear Lake and never looking back that's not that's not what it's about okay but I do believe that God will uh, speak to us about something so they were on their way to a destination in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters that lived where they were going had martyred every missionary that had gone on before them. 
But the reality is, is they didn't fear for their lives because they had already died to themselves. How many of you know that in this journey, this walk with Christ, following Jesus, every once in a while, not every day, not all the time, but every once in a while, we are going to be asked to die to something in ourselves. It can't always be about us. In their hearts and lives, I mean, that was a, that was a big die. That was a big death. You know, they, they were willing to go somewhere knowing that they would never return home again. You know, I wonder how they came to that decision. You know, I, I wonder what the Holy Spirit was doing on the inside. And think about this, where they came to the decision that they were going to pack their stuff in coffins sail out of the port, go to a foreign country, knowing that everyone that had gone before them had been martyred, had been killed, had died, and never came home. What happens in you? What happens in your heart that motivates you to do something like that? Well, here's the rest of the story. And like I said, if you'd like to read more about it, you can Google it. But for 35 years, they lived among the tribes that they went to, and they loved them. This is a key point of the story. They didn't judge them. They didn't condemn them. They didn't try to make change of their culture. They just went there and they loved them. And when they were all gone, when the very last one of them had died and been buried, the villagers erected a monument, and this is the inscription that was on the monument. It said, when they came, there was no light. When they left, there was no darkness. I wow. To have that kind of impact on, you know, a people to have given you a life to help that. Wow, I just, I just think that's incredible. So my message today, again, is all in. And, you know, as I read that story myself for the very first time, it made me think about a lot of things. And I, I, I've just got a few bullet points here that I, as I read the story personally, this, this is what the story made me think about, Okay. And the first thing is, is when did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places and do easy things? When did I start believing that God wanted to send me to safe places and do easy things? Here's another thing I thought about. When did we start thinking that this God thing was all about us? Or maybe, maybe when, did we, when did we start thinking that this God thing was, you know, just doing enough to get by? You know, kind of going through the motions, you know, maybe hoping that we were, you know, we, we prayed the right prayer, we, we, we did the right thing, that maybe we're going to get to heaven someday when we die. Here's something else that made me think about when I read their story. When did we start thinking that living our lives the way we wanted to and giving God an occasional wink was okay? You know, you know we're all from Iowa. In, in southern Iowa, you know, when you're out in the country and you're driving down the gravel road and you see somebody, they usually have their hand on the steering wheel. And when you drive by them, you, a lot of times they'll do this. You know, they'll, they'll raise their finger off the steering wheel and wave at you as you go by. I think that's sometimes what we do with Jesus. Every once in a while, we're driving down the road and we, we give him a little finger raise, you know, like a, 
That's, that's what I call an occasional wink. I want you to know that Jesus did not die to keep us safe. I know we're in America, we're all about safety and preser- preservation and surviving and, you know, prospering and doing all of that. But he didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make you and I dangerous. We're, we're supposed to be dangerous people, enemies of darkness. We're supposed to be life and light and hope to people. We are supposed to be vessels of love, uh, having a tool that conquers everything. You know, several years ago, Poppy knows this, but I had an opportunity to go to Alaska and hunt. I was so excited. I'd never been to Alaska before. It was kind of a bucket list thing. And I had an opportunity to go and hunt moose and grizzly bears. And I, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was going with a couple guys that supposedly did know what they were doing. And so we went to Alaska and we flew into Alaska. And then, you know, I got in this car and we went to the Yukon River and then we got in this airboat and we went 25 miles up the Yukon River to an outpost and we were going to stay there for a week. We packed in all of our food, all of our everything that we would need to stay. There was no electricity. There was no running water. And after we got to the outpost and got settled, the guy had an Argo, which is like a four-wheeler, only it's got eight wheels on it, four wheels on each side. And we drove that thing 25 miles into the bush. I mean, we had guns, you know, we all four of us had guns, you know. And so the guide got us to the place where we were going in the bush of Alaska. And he said, why don't we get out of the Argo here and let's go different directions and let's do some scouting. Well, you know, I'm not going to, I didn't want to do that. I didn't, I didn't even want to get out of the Argo. I didn't know where I was. I knew that I was in bear country. And we're going to get out and we're going to go separate ways. I want to go with my buddy. I don't want to go a separate way. But, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to act like a scaredy cat. So I said, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go scout, you know. So one guy went that way, another guy went that way. I looked at the path going up the mountain this way, and I said, okay, here I go. And so I went up that path, and it wasn't very long. I got up there, and I I started to see bear sign. You know, I saw bear scat. That's bear poop, if you don't know what. And it was filled with berries. And then I saw berry bushes that had been torn apart and literally destroyed, and me being a berry, I began to worry a little bit. I mean, I have never in my life, I I don't think I have ever been more invigorated in my life. I was scared. I was excited, and I thought, what are, what are we, I, I'm up on the side of this mountain, and my buddies are all gone, you know, they've gone, they're out there scouting, and I'm trying to think, I'm, I'm hiding, you know, I only went about 100 yards from the Argo, and I'm trying to look around, you know, and I'm seeing all this bear sign, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do if I see a bear? I mean, I have a gun, but what if I miss him? Worse yet, what if I hit him and make him mad? I mean, this thing could eat me, you know. And so I'm feeling all these emotions. I'm afraid. I'm excited. I'm, I'm invigorated. I, I tell you what, the truth of the story is I never saw a bear mark. But I will never in my life forget that experience. That experience lives me. Even when I start telling this story, I mean, it was over 10 years ago, it just all comes back to me, the emotions, the excitement, the fear, the anxiety. 
I was feeling on the side of that mountain. And I got to tell you, after about a half hour, I went back to the Argo. I was the first one back. I didn't care. And when everybody else came back an hour later after I did, I said, I didn't see anything, you know. Well, here's the point of the story. I know, I know most of you will probably never, you know, go on a bear hunt in Alaska. But I bet most of you have been to a zoo. I bet a lot of you in here have been to a zoo, you know, and, and you, you, you probably saw a bear. You probably saw a lion or even a, maybe a gorilla. But I'll bet you never worried about them eating you. You probably picked up your children and walked up to the glass and say, oh, look at the nice bear. You probably took your children and you walked up to the glass and you said, oh, look at the gorilla. He's so, oh, look at the gorilla. Look at the, look at the lion. But I'll bet you never once worried about them eating you. The point is, is that zoos have a way of eliminating the danger eliminating the fear of animals that should be feared. Have you ever seen any TikToks where this little baby is sitting by the glass and a lion is sneaking up and tries to get to the baby, but the glass is there, you know? I mean, the parents obviously had no fear because they set their child up next to that glass. In between them and animals that should be feared. And I have to tell you, you know, after my little trip to Alaska, to me, a zoo is boring. There's nothing exciting about a zoo to me. You want to know why? Because of the cages. The cages eliminate danger. As long as that animal is on the inside of the cage, there is no danger. It's just not the same as being out there in the bush, being out there in the wild, being out there where there's nothing between you and that animal. So here's my whole point this morning. Here's where I'm going, to, where I'm going with this story. I wonder if churches do the same thing to us that zoos do to animals. I sometimes wonder if these boxes that we come into once a week eliminate all of the danger, eliminate all of the, the opportunities that we have to do the dangerous things that I believe that God has called us to do. You eliminate the danger, you eliminate the risk, minimize the sacrifice, and you know what you have? Boring. Boring people who are living their so-called lives for Jesus afraid to step out and do anything dangerous, to afraid to step out into any area that might not be safe. Cages tame animals. And sometimes I think churches tame us. Well, what do you mean by that? You know, well, we'll just let the zookeeper take care of us. <laughs> well, we'll just let the pastor feed us and take care of us and do everything for us and if we get sick they'll take care of us you know what religion does it boxes us up and that's why i love that you guys detest religion 
That's why I love that you read that scripture this morning, because I don't care how religious you are. If you don't have love, you're not dangerous. If you don't have love, you're not going to be effective. You're not going to be impactful. If you don't have love, you don't really have anything. Religion cages us in. It wants to impose all kinds of rules and regulations on us that choke the life out of us. The real job of the church is to get us ready to go out there into the open and walk among the lions and the tigers and the bears, finding a way to connect to the cross of Christ, the cause of Christ, is not a radical idea. You know, we come in here, and this is great. We, love, we worship, we open up our hearts, we use our gifts and talents, but it's just nothing more than an opportunity for us to get ready to go up the side of that mountain into the bush and look for signs of people that need what we have. I love that. You know, here's what I think. It's time to quit living as if our purpose is to arrive safely at death. You know, it's almost like, you know, we just go through the motions hoping that maybe someday when we die that we'll go to heaven. That's not our purpose. Uh, Our purpose is not to attain a ticket into heaven. The reality is our purpose is, is to go all in. Well, what does that mean? It may not mean selling everything you have, packing your belongings in a coffin, getting in a boat and going to somewhere in South America. That may not mean, that is not what it necessarily means. But what does that mean? What does going all in mean to you? We know what it meant to the one-way missionaries, but I'm not a one-way missionary. The Holy Spirit has not called me to be a one-way missionary. But what is he asking you to do? What is he asking me to do? What, What is the opportunity that he is going to give us if we are willing to follow him? Where is he going to take us? So this is what I'm asking you. This message all in simply means, what is it in my life that God wants from me? What am I supposed to be doing? I don't want to live in a cage. I don't want a zookeeper to take care of me. I want to come in here, get built up, get taught, so I can go out there and live my life in a way that makes a difference. But the question is, is what is it? What is it for you? It might be different than it is for me. I know my purpose is different than the one-way missionaries, but I respect what they did. Am I willing to do whatever it is that God has asked me to do? You know, the will of God, the plan of God for your life is not an insurance plan. You know, you just don't get to come and accept Jesus as the Lord of your life And then that's it. You're going to go to heaven, you know. Well, big deal. What about all the people that aren't? What about all the people that aren't where you are? You know, the plan of God is a daring plan. The plan of God is going to help us make a difference in people's lives. I I love the baby dedication and what you said, Jenny, and talking about, you know, we just want to Help that little baby discover Jesus, experience Jesus. And then you said, if we do anything to harm that, to get in the way of that, then we need to ask that child for forgiveness. And how many times 
in our little safe places, in our little religiosity, in our little rule books, do we come to the place where we become hurtful to people's experience with God in their lives? When we are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal or we say that we have faith to move mountains, but we don't know how to love each other. We don't know how to get into the bush and be there for each other. We don't know how to go up the side of the mountain into the dangerous places where people who don't know God, don't love God, don't care about God live and be the light that God has called us to be. Okay, but you know... uh, let me, let me say this, before God can use you like that, me like that, there has to be some kind of a consecration, some kind of a commitment. You know, Joshua told Israel, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things in you. So to me, that means in order for God to do something amazing in my life, I have to consecrate myself. What does that mean? I want to start off by telling you what it's not. You know, we have funny ideas about consecration in the church. You know, so I want to tell you what it's not. Uh, uh, First of all, it's not going to church all the time. That's not how you consecrate yourself. It's not daily devotions. It's not fasting during Lent. It's not keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not sharing Christ with your friends. It's not giving God the tithe. It's not repeating the sinner's prayer. It's not raising your hands in worship. It's not going on a missions trip. That's not consecration. Those are all good things, but they're not consecration. They're more of... Behavior, behavioral modifications than anything else. It's more than conforming to a moral code. Consecration is more than doing goods and keeping so-called rules. It's something deeper. Literally, it means to set yourself apart. And this is where I want to challenge you. Where are you at? What's going on in your life? You know, what, what, what is God speaking to you about? Not what is he speaking to us about. What is he speaking to you about? What is he asking of you? What is he wanting from you? When's the last time? Maybe you ask that. You know, as we're going through transitions, you know, uh, we retired, Poppy and Chris retired, and the churches are going, Agape is going through this transition, you know. And some people have just chosen, you know, to take advantage of a transition and leave. And, and maybe that's okay. You know, but here we are together as Agape, as a family. And I think this is an important time that we begin to ask ourselves, God, what is it you want from me? God, what do you want me to, to, what do you want me to do in this transition? How do you want me to be a part of the life and health of the church? I know what you've done for years. I know what you've done in the past, but maybe God wants something more out of you right now. Maybe God wants to send you up a new trail and reach some new people and bring them into this place and let them experience the love as you've experienced them. You know, why go to church every week? And keep a bunch of rules and never go all in. Never ask God what it is that he wants from you, what he wants you to do. How can you follow the rules but never follow Jesus? I mean, that's just kind of a thought. Let me, I I better read our text scripture to you so I can at least get one scripture in the message today, okay? And that's in Luke chapter 9. And I, I just, I want to read this to you. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Then he said to the crowd, Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your whole life, 
if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You know, I, I love this because it's, it's just kind of like Jesus threw down the gauntlet. He, he just wants to know, Jenny, are you in or are you out? He wants to know that from every single one of us. Are you in or are you out? You know, you can't just live in this place of, of safety doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it all the time. Because Jesus is not going to let you live like that. Listen to what he said there. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your Christ, cross, and follow me. Are you in or are you out? It's going to mean different things for different people. It's not going to mean the same thing for Pastor Jenny as it does for me or, or for you. But I love this. I, I love how he throws down the gauntlet. And see, he just simply wants to know from Dan Barry, are you in or are you out? Are you going to do what I ask you to do or are you going to live your life for yourself? Are you going to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it, or are you going to follow me? The disciples took that thing literally. Every one of them were martyred except John, and they even tried to kill him, but they couldn't. And that's the only reason he wasn't martyred. And, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, that's going to happen to us. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you have to be like the one-way missionaries. But, but maybe, you know, we could find some areas in our own life where we could die to ourselves a little bit. I'm, I'm just saying, you know what, guys? Maybe it doesn't always have to be about me. And I know how hard that is. I've been living my life for Jesus for a long time. And I mean, at the drop of the hat, I can make everything about me and how it affects me. So, and you know, that's just a, that's just a natural human thing. It's part of the human element. But what I'm challenging you to do today is, you know, every once in a while, it can't always be about you. Sometimes we just have to die to ourselves and say, okay, Jesus, Whatever you want from me, if you want me to get up in front of people, if you want me to witness to somebody, if you want me to go down a dark and scary trail to find somebody, if you want me to be less judgmental, if you want me to be less critical, if you want me to be less religious, whatever you want from me, we have to say yes, at least once in a while. Am I right? Maybe, maybe just a little... <laughs> once a week <laughs> you know and here's another thing when we don't live like this when we don't live all in we cheat ourselves out of the eternal reward that God reserves for us I mean you know when I went up that trail by myself it was scary but it was invigorating and sometimes I've had to do things God wanted me to do that I didn't want to do Mark but when I started the journey and I stepped out and I began to do those things my life took on new meaning Things started happening on the inside of me. It, it caused me to come alive. Could it be that we won't come alive in the truest sense until we die to ourselves? I, I just think in some ways it's time to ante up. You know, I'm going through the, a big transition in my life. Forty years, I'm no longer the pastor anymore. I'm no longer the, the head guy, head lady, whatever. God's asking some things from me. I'm not done. I'm not dead. So I still have opportunity to give. It's time to ante up. It's time to go all in. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Think about that. 
I'd like to say it's now or never. You know, are we going in or are we not? You know, I don't, I don't really, can I make a statement to you? I don't think anybody has really ever sacrificed anything for God. Because how can you, if, if you do what God tells you to do and you get rewarded for that, how can that be a sacrifice? If you die to yourself and you find life, how, how is that a sacrifice? There's always a reward. There's always something that God is going to add to you because of your obedience. The spiritual principle of obedience is God's plan to reward your life. Whenever you say no to you and yes to God, there always will be a reward. So if you get more back than you ever gave up, isn't that what we were just told about the offering this morning? If we plant a seed, we reap a crop. The eternal reward always outweighs the temporal sacrifice. Here's a statement I want you to, maybe you could write this down. The key to self-fulfillment is self-denial. The key to self-fulfillment is self-denial. But man, any time and every time somebody asks something of us, of us that we don't want to do, we break out in hives. You know, we fight that um, sometimes like, with everything in us. Like, we had an opportunity. We've got a work day coming up October 10th. Let's all raise our hands. I'm glad I was sitting in the front row so I couldn't see who of you didn't raise your hands. It's tough when we live in the lap of luxury, and we do, to die to ourselves. Let me, let, me, let me close with one scripture, the, the rich young ruler. You remember this story? And again, you know, I'm not, I, well, let me just read this and then I'll say that. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 18, Jesus said, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother. Then the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When he said that, I thought, really? Did he really do that? Oh, yeah, I've kept the two, Ten Commandments. I've done all. Do, do, have you really? I, I don't imagine that was really true. When Jesus heard the answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw this, he said, how hard is it for a rich, the rich to enter into the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? He replied, what is impossible for people is possible for God. Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. You know, okay, let me, let me just share. God may never ask you to go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and do something for him. But he will ask you to do something. That's not the point. The point is not, Jesus is not saying that you all have to become like the rich young ruler and, and sell everything you have and come follow him. 
That's not the point of the story. What is the wisdom of this story? The wisdom of this story is that Jesus will someday knock at your door and want something from you. And the question is, whatever it is that he's asking of you, will you be willing to give it? And just in case you might be tempted not to get it, give it, Jesus finishes the story and he tells us in the scripture that no one will never give up something from him and not be rewarded for it. So he shares this so that we won't be afraid to do whatever it is that he asks us to do. What is God asking you to do? I pray that all this week you hear my voice like a nightmare in your life. What is God asking you to do? Whether it's me or Ronald Reagan, I pray that you will hear this voice. What is it that God is asking from you? Don't live in a cage. Don't live in a place of safety. I tell myself all the time, I am not done. Jesus is not done with me. I may have retired, but what is it now, Jesus, do you want from me? And when he comes to my door and knocks, I better have the courage to open that door and say, yes, Lord, whatever it is you want from me, send me. You know, this guy in this story, and I'm almost done, epitomizes religiosity. And I might also add hypocrisy. He is the exact opposite of all in. And I believe that Jesus brought this story into our lives so that he could stand as a warning to us. Warning us that we should not hold out on God. Because when we do, we miss out on everything God wants to do in us and through us. I wonder what that rich young ruler would have experienced if he had just did what Jesus asked him to do. But the bigger question is, I wonder what we would miss out if we didn't do what Jesus asked us to do. You know, and I think about the rich young ruler and I think, could I do that? Could I have done that? I mean, right now, if Jesus came to me and asked me to sell everything I have and give it all away, you know, we're thinking about how we're going to make it to the end now, you know. we got this little pile of retirement, you know, and could I have done that? I don't know if I could have or not, but that's not the point. The point is, is whatever it is that Jesus asks me, ask from me, would I be willing to give it up? Let's all stand. I don't want to play the game, the religious game. I don't want to just go through the motions and play it safe and live in the cage of religiosity. You know, we're, we're living in a new, new season, agape, a new opportunity, a new way of doing things. This, this might be Jesus' opportunity to come to us who live in this house and do something new for him. Do something fresh for him. Experience some new life. Some new opportunities. To do ministry in a new way. So let's, let's, whatever it is that God comes to you for, I pray that we'll find the courage to obey. Amen? Okay, Father, we just are grateful for your love and your life and your grace. And I'm grateful for every family that makes up this incredible place called Agape. I'm grateful for 
Pastor Jenny and the ministerial team and all that you're doing in them. A new thing right in front of us. And I just pray that we would all just have a heart to say, how can we help? How can we be a part of this new thing and make sure that your love is experienced by the multitudes of our families and community? And so I just pray that you just continue to guide us and speak to us. And Lord, I pray that I'll have the courage that when you knock at my door to open it and let you sit down at the table of my life and share from your heart to me. I pray that we'll find the courage to say yes to whatever it is, whatever you ask us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.